What is up? What is going on? And welcome in a new episode of 10,000 Pitches, also the launch of SodaSoccer.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you so much for supporting what we do. This is the new home for soccer coverage in the North, SodaSoccer.com. If you haven't checked out the website yet, please do. A lot of great stuff on there. Also got to shout out our friends over at Pence Homes and Stimulus Athletic for making this possible. Episode 80, though, of 10,000 Pitches presented by SodaSoccer.com. Um, hit that subscribe button. Please rate and review if you could. And also follow us at S-O-T-A-S-O-C. So we're not at 10K Pitches anymore. We're at Soda S-O-C because Soda Soccer was taken by an account that hasn't tweeted in like five years. But of course, we can't get that handle. So we had to make do with what we have. So yeah, at Soda S-O-C on all the socials if you could. Um, last week, really good interview with Minnesota Aurora's new signings and native Minnesotans, Kenzie Langdock and Morgan Turner. Also, last week, Dom and I had a good episode of 10K where we broke down our top four dream sports team revivals uh, in celebration of the Minnesota Twin Stars return to the NPSL North. Speaking of Dominic Jose Bisogno, Dom, how you doing, man? Doing great. I just survived two straight days of snowfall up here in beautiful Duluth, Minnesota. So, had a, oh, man. Had a great Only time. Only two? Spending. Well, no, it, I mean, it snows all the time, but it was literally 48 hours of snowing. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, literally 6 a.m. yesterday till right now, it's been snowing. There's some places that got like 20 inches. Oh my gosh. Um, and it, in those two days. So, I, me and my coworker have spent about half of our time working in the last two days just shoveling. But uh, other than that, it's been great. So, happy to be here. Tis February in Minnesota. I tell you what. Yes. Um, speaking of Minnesota, two other individuals, uh, uh, fantastic individuals on this ride with us with SodaSoccer.com are here for a little Minnesota United round table. I'm very happy and pleased to welcome in frequent contributor to the podcast, now an official member of what we do here, Jacob Schneider and John Marthaler. Boys, how are we doing? Uh, doing good, Jeremy. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, along with Dominic, I am surviving this snowfall. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. The wind is awful. Uh, I can't tell you how many times that I've snowplowed uh, between my house, my grandma's, and my dad's the past couple days. But mm -hmm. we're here. We survived. And now I get to pleasantly watch Colorado versus Comunicaciones in the CONCACAF Champions League with a massive downpour of snow happening mid-game. Uh, I can't imagine playing in it, just knowing that I was shoveling it and dying doing that. Uh, we've seen we've seen uh, staff members come out with shovels to clear yep. the eighteen yard box. So we see the lines on the pitch. They uh, don't have the they don't have like the snow brushes. They just got two dudes with yeah. shovels who are running yeah. around shoveling lines. <laughs> and we've uh, we've navigated to yellow ball alert. We are not no longer using the official CCL ball. We are on yellow ball alert, Jeremy. Love it. Love it. Well, hey, you know, we had the we had a little bit of that. Maybe not the snow, but we had the cold here with the uh, what people were calling the Copa Frisadores uh, at uh, at Allianz Field just a few weeks ago. So Colorado getting that treatment as well. Uh, John, I already heard you uh, chiming in with the with the brush talk. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. I feel like I can't complain now. Now that I heard that Jacob was snowblowing three people's house and Dom got 20 <laughs> inches of snow. What am I going to complain about? I only had to snowblow one driveway. I got nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, February is the shortest too. and worst month. By far. I, I sh yeah, I shoveled yesterday, and then I saw there was like another dusting of snow on the on the driveway today. When I got up, I'm like, no, I'm not doing yep. it. <laughs> I spent like not, I spent like an hour about that. 
shoveling this driveway yesterday. I can do I can do a little bit of a, a little bit of snow. But anyways, thank yeah. you guys. I again think you guys so much. Go ahead. I think all the listeners know at this point that soda soccer, despite the name, is about shovels, not about <laughs> soccer. It's about it's shovel. shovel talk. Most of the shovel podcast. Seventy so percent shovel talk. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're listening and you own a shovel company and you'd like to sponsor the right. podcast, just let us Absolutely. Know. American Honestly, Shovel. You know where to find us. There you go. Hit us up. Hit us up at Soda SOC. Maybe we should change our Twitter handle to at Soda yep. Shovels. Although I have to imagine uh, that's probably taken at this point. But we found our mascot. That's right. Who needs, who needs gritty when you can have a shovel? Shove you the shovel. That doesn't sound right. We're gonna workshop that. Well, we gotta workshop that. That's not great. Strap one. It's not Strap terrible one. either. It's okay. Well, it's it's so bad it just might work. Honestly, exactly. Uh, it's like the right. referees in the in Concacaf Champions League. Absolutely. So bad they just work. <laughs> Take that Concacaf. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, no, I'll teach them. Oh man! All right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to transition from that into uh, the launch of SodaSoccer.com, which is is not about shovels, although it might be now. We may have to pivot our our business model here. But uh, as of now, it's the new home for soccer coverage in the north. We're talking Minnesota. We're gonna cover some Wisconsin as well. Um, we also, in addition to the website, if you haven't checked out the website SodaSoccer.com, we also have a Patreon. Now, it's patreon.com slash soda soccer. And yes, we would love if you were became a patron, became a supporter, and supported us. But we are going to kind of incentivize that as well. This is more than just like, hey, come in and follow us and, and throw us some money because you think we're cool type thing. Um, although we would enjoy that too. Uh, we're going to have some bonus content. We're going to have some early access content. Up there right now is my Minnesota United Philadelphia Union match preview, which is going to be up on the website tomorrow, but it's up for early viewing right now up on the Patreon. Dominic has a fantastic story on Kapa two, who is from St. Paul and currently carving his path through professional soccer in the Thai third division. This is like one of those must read, uh, you know, best Minnesota soccer player you've never heard of type uh, type article. That feature is going up on the site next week, but guess what? If you're a supporter, patreon.com slash soda soccer you can check out that that article that fantastic feature from dominic right now uh early before it drops on the website um moving forward episodes of 10k obviously not this week but moving forward episodes of 10k will be up for early listening about 24 to 36 hours ahead of being posted feature stories will be posted early other cool exclusive content will be there as well five dollars a month for the supporters tier 10 bucks for our super subs tier which gets you featured on our site featured on podcast episodes, get you all that cool bonus content as well. Now that we have all the plugs out of the way, um, let's talk about, I guess, the site as a whole, guys. Um, obviously, I've reached out to both of you or to all of you over the last month or so. Um, Eli Hoff, good friend of us, is actually going to be involved in Soda Soccer as well. Um, you know, I, when I started this, I really envisioned this sort of being an outlet, not only for fans of Minnesota soccer, but, but for content creators and writers and podcasters as well, who maybe didn't have a, a consistent platform or outlet to, to be heard or be seen, um, you know, more, more or less freelancing, um, you know, maybe offering a consistent platform to those people, but also offering fans and supporters a chance to, you know, consume consistent, dedicated soccer coverage here in Minnesota. Um, Jacob, I'll start with you. You know, when I first told you about the project, what did you think? 
um, ambitious. I think, I think looking at Minnesota as a soccer hub in general is great because one, we just hosted the snowpocalypse match, uh, U.S. men's <laughs> national team. Like it, it was the most unnecessary match ever, possibly. But also, if you ask any single person who was there if they regretted it, they say no. This the, this community, this 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 thing we have going is special, and Minnesota soccer deserves the top-notch coverage. And I think we've assembled a really great group of people, and it could still be growing too. But you know, everybody here one has a passion for soccer, two has a passion for content creation, and three has a passion for just sharing the stories they envision in their head through words, through uh, the uh, podcasting, through uh, anything really. It's just it, there's so much that we could do here. Uh, you know, I'm just excited excited to be a part of the project. Uh, these the, the people I'm doing this with are not only friends, but like they're colleagues now too. And you know, it's just it's an exciting time to be a Minnesota soccer fan because we're finally getting the opportunity to tell the stories that haven't been told. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's something that needs to be done. So happy to be here, happy to contribute, and I am happy to bring you all my first story uh, this Friday featuring uh, Adrian Anu. So. Uh, Keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah, that's up on sodasoccer.com right now. Great feature from Jacob on Adrian, who knew. Um, a lot of question marks for the uh, the designated player this year from Minnesota United. So obviously getting his input on that is, uh, is, is something I think everybody wants to see. So go check that out. Um, John, you posted in the – we were kind of talking in the Slack the other day, and you posted like, hey, we got a, we got a pretty good group of guys around here at Soda Soccer. Um, you know, just what, what have you thought of kind of the early, obviously we just launched this today, but everything leading up and kind of, you know, who we've been able to assemble here. What do you think so far? Well, I'm, I think I, I'm in the same boat as Jacob that I, I'm just impressed that it's happening. I think a lot of, I've, I've talked to a lot of people over the years that have ideas and want to do stuff, but I'm impressed that you guys are, that you're taking the lead and actually doing something. And that I think is the hardest thing. I think a lot of people have ideas and not everybody is doing stuff. And I, it's just, it's an exciting, it's an exciting thing to be part of. I'm flattered to be asked. Um, I think it's, I think it's going to be fun. And I think that it's, I think that it's going to be part and parcel of what all of us have been doing for a long time. There's, there's sort of a, not evangelistic, but they're sort of just people who are doing this kind of thing because they like it. And I think that's one of the best things about soccer in Minnesota is that it's not necessarily just people who are out here doing this for a reason or trying to spout off hot takes or anything. It's just people are doing it because they like this. They're fans of what's going on. They enjoy Minnesota soccer. They enjoy soccer in general. And it's just fun. it's just a fun thing to be a part of both with this site and the wider community. I think it's just a, it's a fun place to be. I'm excited about this year and everything that's going to come out of this. Yeah. And, and that brought up a, you know, something that just came to mind for me, John is, I, I don't know if I didn't necessarily anticipate this, but I've heard, I've heard clubs, especially MLS professional clubs, not necessarily being so welcoming or, or embracing newer uh, outlets that are there to sort of help cover the team, right? Um, I, I've mm-hmm. uh, done some some work with the Striker Texas uh, a little bit as a, as a consultant, doing some freelancing work for them. But I also really leaned on Roberto Silva and the team at the Striker Texas. If you don't know what the 
source for for news on all things Texas soccer, but I sort of leaned on Roberto and kind of picked his brain on how they do things and sort of trying to apply some of that to what we're going to do at SodaSoccer.com. But he was letting me know that, you know, when we launched, not every team was, you know, super willing to give us access or super willing to, to embrace us and, you know, offer up players for interviews right away or things like that. But when I reached out to the team over at Minnesota United, I mean, they were, they were pumped. They were pumped to have a new, new outlet covering their team. You don't see that always. So I think that sort of is a testament to kind of how much not only the supporters want these teams to be covered legitimately, but the teams themselves want to be covered legitimately. Would you agree, Dom? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a, certainly at the, the lower levels as well, there's a, a hunger for, um, you know, the, the respect and the attention that, that, that soccer deserves just in general as a sport that's growing in this country, but also these individual teams, certainly Minnesota United, who are putting the work in to, to represent the state, represent, um, you know, soccer in Minnesota. I think I think there's a desire to to have more eyes and to have that appreciation from the community and uh, probably the the most tangible way to get that appreciation is to have people who care enough to want to write about it and share thoughts about it. So um, yeah, I, I know that any time that someone stepped up to try to try to improve that 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 discussion in in this state at all levels. Um, I've always seen a lot of excitement at the lower league level is where I've seen it more um, just because that's my experience more, but, but I'm, I'm sure with Minnesota United, that's the case as well. Absolutely. Um, so a quick rundown of the content you can find right now at sodasoccer.com. We already mentioned Jacob's Adrian Unu feature. Uh, Dominic has a great feature on the Karen FA. Um, if you don't know who the Karen FA is, this is like a, a national team for the Karen people that actually exists right here in the Twin Cities. Like they are based out right here in the Twin Cities. Really, really cool organization. Uh, so a great feature from Dom on them. So go check that out. Um, John, sort of looking at Minnesota United from a national perspective, sort of, I guess, the respect or, I guess, lack thereof that Minnesota United might be getting uh, from the national media. I believe MLSsoccer.com released their recent predictions for where Minnesota United would uh, fit. And uh, they were not exactly – optimistic about the loons chances in 2022 so taking a dive into that was john an excellent piece eli hoff our friend the aforementioned eli hoff he has a kind of a three burning questions a little season preview uh for minnesota united there as well um i don't think i missed anything that's up on the website right now but go check that out if you can and like i said my minnesota united philadelphia match preview will be up on the uh, on the website tomorrow available on patreon.com slash soda soccer right now We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate 
and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pensehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pensehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pensehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. All right. So now let's jump into, I think the reason why everybody is listening to this, I'm, you know, it's great to talk about the new website, but if we did that for an hour, I think we'd turn more people off than turn them on. So let's switch gears here and do a little Minnesota United round table. Now we are not the first nor second nor third uh, podcast this week to do a bit of a Minnesota United preview. Uh, but I do think, uh, you know, we have, uh, we have a lot of guys here who, um, you know, have been covering this club for a very, very long time. A lot of historical context will be available in this preview as well. That I think can set us apart from some of the rest. You should definitely go listen to those other podcasts and those other previews. But um, I think this will be a little bit unique in that regard. So first question, guys, really important question. How did we enjoy the offseason? This is the shortest offseason, I think, in MLS history. What did we do? Did we have time to relax? Did we go on vacation? Jacob, did you do anything besides plowing driveways and selling cookies? <laughs> uh, I did my numbers a few weeks ago. And I baked over 4,000 cookies um, oh. <laughs> from Thanksgiving to uh, Valentine's Day. It's um, amazing. Those, those of you that don't know, I, I know Jeremy knows. He is a three-time, two- or three-time customer. But uh, I am a cottage food producer, and I run a cookie shop from my house. And I bake cookies. Uh, and it's become a fun little side hobby. But beyond that, Jeremy, uh, i watched a lot of soccer, a lot. Um, tweet about soccer a lot, uh, play FIFA, you know, just, you know, just doing everything related to soccer. Um, beyond that, you know, it's, it, it's, it's come down to that this short off season, I don't mind it at all because it is leading into what is set to be a very, very fun winter with the Cutter World Cup. Um, I am, I'm buzzing for the U S uh, I think, I think there's a great chance that they make it. I think there's a great chance that they can. Uh, do something there, but like, I don't know. I just there's so much anticipate anticipation going on right now. I just it went by fast. I'm not complaining. Uh, we get MLS back in T minus from when we are recording now on Wednesday night, uh, three days, and you know I'm ready for it. Uh, I got back to training this week at Minnesota United uh, HQ or training HQ in Blaine, Minnesota, and uh, I got to speak with uh, uh, Adrian Heath and Luisa Marie on Tuesday. Talk about that in a bit, but it's just I'm just happy to be back out. Happy to be able to be surrounded by the game once again in person instead of on a screen. And, you know, let's just embrace that 2022 is here. Uh, and it's going to be a very fun season, uh, regardless if you are a Minnesota United supporter, an MLS supporter, or just an, just a regular watcher, you know. Soccer's back. <laughs> let's embrace it. Yeah, for me, it's it's kind of mixed feelings. Obviously, launching this website presents a lot of uh, you know added excitement to the season and what we can do from a content standpoint. But at the same time, it was a really damn short off season. So yeah. part of me is like, am I really ready for another, you know, nine months, eight months of this? Uh, John, are you feeling the same way? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to roll here? Yeah, I have a, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So we just yep. hit the nine o'clock hour. So I'm going to be asleep any second here. So uh, once, <laughs> if you don't hear, if you don't hear from me for the rest of the podcast, that's what happened. Listeners, I fell asleep. But other than that, I basically spent the off season learning how to pronounce Bongo Kukle Hongwane and, I've just been practicing that over and over and over again in the hopes of there not you know. butchering that name all season. 
Good news you for you, John. The, you will get the South Africans in your in your mentions right away, John, if you do. So that's yeah, right. that's really important. That's all I'm I'm courting the South African social market. That's all I'm here for. I got some good news for you, John. Uh, uh, according to Adrian Heath, that the team is just going to go by Bongi. Oh, the, well, that's great. I mean, that's a great nickname. You but know, at the same time, that's an off-season wasted right there. You know, I, I do need to talk to Cal and Kendra still. Um, I need to talk to Cal and Kendra. I'll be back at training tomorrow morning on Thursday, and I'll be sure to bring that up to Cal. Uh, we had a nice little conversation on Tuesday, so I'm sure I'll, I'll uh, bug him for a few minutes tomorrow. But you know, uh, Bongi is a great way to go by. That That's a great point. I cannot wait to hear that name pronounced in a Birmingham accent. By, <laughs> oh, that is going to be beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, I might get that one on recording and I'll post it on Twitter. I'll see that's if right. I can that get would an be exclusive perfect. from Cal. <laughs> I hope he sees the field. And, you know, I would say, you know, I don't know if I expect him to see the field a significant amount, but I hope he gets some run because I want to see what the supporters can come up with in terms of making Bangukule Hongwani or Bangi Hongwani into a chance. I feel like that name, just the number of syllables, is just ripe for the first, like, official, like, player-specific chant from the Wonderwall. So that's going to be my challenge is to uh, come up with a come up with a good chant for Hongwane in 2022. Um but let's get into sort of how how this last season ended, guys. So, um, and we'll go over this quick before we actually dive into the off season, and then eventually what we expect to see coming up in twenty twenty two. So, um, quick quick cliff notes on last season: overcame an zero four start to finish fifth in the West. Um, they finished fifth, but were an LA Galaxy goal away from being bounced from the playoffs completely at the end. Um, they did end up bowing out in the playoffs in the first round of Portland. Uh, one positive and one negative thing we learned from the loons last year, guys. So one positive and one negative that we can take from 2021. Um, Jacob, I'll go with you first. Positive. Um, is that Franco Fragapane kind of turned into a tank? I, I really like mm-hmm. what he brings to the left wing. Um, I think another positive is that there are some correlating patterns with international rivals to Minnesota United and performances in their first or second year. Uh, Robin Lute, for example, um, people were calling to get him, like, literally cut his contract after one season here. And then he turns out to be, you know, a top two, top three player with the team moving forward. I think Adrian Unu has that potential. Um, and I think, you know, if I add one more positive, it's that Michael Boxel doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. They'll get at least two, two more top, top-notch seasons out of him. And that's a big, big defensive presence. Uh, negative. Um, Tyler Miller's blunders last fall really, really affected the team. And I think uh, his confidence, especially. And then that injury uh, forcing Dane St. Or not injury, the COVID, uh, the COVID um, positive forcing Dane St. Clair into the playoffs, uh, starting the playoff spot. I think, you know, there was, you know, I think that, that, that affects the team a lot. The morale, the confidence. I think, you know, there were so many injuries last year that it just, it, it, was terrible for the cohesion and the chemistry of the squad um and you know i just think if you can stay healthy if you can stay focused um that you have a lot of potential to be a very talented mls side in 2022 but it's all about staying focused it's all about staying healthy and i just i wonder if you know what happened with the offseason with the manny reynoso i wonder if the departure of jan gregus and ozzy alonso i just you know there's some things that happened this offseason that really are going to affect things. It'll be I'm very curious to see 
how they run out on Saturday, formation-wise and personnel-wise. But I'm also curious to see what the chemistry is going to be like with this squad. Dom, you and I have talked a lot about on this podcast, kind of the inconsistency from Minnesota United. Um, you know, later late last season, we had a lot of discussions about that. Uh, but from a positive standpoint, what's one thing that you're taking from 2021 that you, you see as something that you know they can really apply and move forward and and kind of take solace in in 2022? Yeah, I think, well, uh, obviously Jake just laid out a, a lot of great examples there of certain players that stood out. Um, I guess one thing that I'll that comes to mind that uh, you alluded to already when you laid out how the season ended is uh, that, you know, the, the, the team across the year did show a, a fair bit of, of grit and ability to kind of climb out of the hole. They dug for themselves a little bit at the start of the season, obviously starting with a, a rough uh, 0-4 record. Uh, teams sometimes uh, aren't able to swim out of that. And, uh, you know, I, I would argue there's probably been some Minnesota United seasons where they haven't been able to quite come <laughs> out of that. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, look, uh, you make the playoffs and 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 uh, you, you put on an overall good season uh, that that's not easy to do with that kind of start. And for all the all the grief that certain players or, or Adrian Heath uh, get from definitely not me uh, for for when that does happen. You know, you have to give them credit when they are able to, to flip the switch and, and play quite well, which at times Minnesota United definitely did uh, in 2021. So and, and it's kind of a general point, but in that sense, that's a positive for me is that continued show of character uh, on the pitch. Uh, my quick negative that we talked about many, many times uh, is just, you know, that I think that by the end of 2021, there were still a lot of concerns about uh, depth uh, and, and who who we were able to get the most of off the bench and how often we were able to get that out of them. Uh, and that's something we've talked about before, but that, that'll be my quick negative. John, wrap us up on this, uh, on this topic here. Yeah. I think I'm going to sort of piggyback over off of what Jacob and Dom said, but honestly, the positive for me was the last couple of weeks of the season. I know they were one goal away from going out when they were playing at LA, but, they really had their backs against the wall right at the end there and they beat sporting Kansas city at home. And then they went to LA and got a result when they absolutely needed a result. And for a team that was so inconsistent all year to pull out a couple of really fairly gritty performances when it counted was, it was encouraging the fact that it was followed up with kind of a, kind of a listless performance in the playoffs was a little bit, that was almost the negative where it was a little bit like, what is, where is where is that same grit getting translated into the playoffs now you know portland scored a couple of bangers in the second half and so it was a little bit of just what can you do about that but Sebastian i think the Blanco, other man yeah uh you, you know he, he's the best 53 year old player mls has ever seen that's for <laughs> <laughs> um and i think the other negative for me which is kind of an out of left field one but Thomas Chacon early never got a chance for the loons. And I, what little we saw of him 11 years ago or whatever it was, I really <laughs> liked how he looked. And I was just, I was sad that he never ended up really getting a chance here. And now he's, now he's departed. And so he's a loon no more, but I, I was sad that he never got the sort of an extended period uh, to run out. Yeah. I think kind of for me, John, I think it kind of piggybacks what you, what you said, you know, when there was actual continuity specifically in the front four, um, mm -hmm. 
you know, Minnesota United was able to, to actually score some goals and, and put together some really good performances. I think there was a stat that was thrown out there that has been confirmed that, you know, in 17 of the 34 games, they were able to start three of that front four together. You know, there are a lot of injury issues and different things that caused a lot of rotation to happen. And maybe the depth pieces, you know, weren't as, as game ready and match ready as we initially thought they would be. Um, but when that three of that initial three of that front four were able to get on the field together, uh, Minnesota United had the second best points per match points per game in the entire league. Uh, so yeah, I mean, continuity, we a lot of, I was going to say that we talked a lot about Minnesota not scoring any goals. And this is something I wrote about a little bit, but you can talk about how the inconsistency and in not being able to score goals. But there was a point last season where people were talking on Twitter about which backup goalkeeper would make the best emergency striker. And it wasn't a, it was a legitimate discussion to be having like, well, they're out of yeah. players. So which one of them would be the best one? We should Fernando probably talk about the that. obvious answer. <laughs> Why would you even think about bringing on a backup goalkeeper when you have the one in the only 92 year old Fernando Adi? Yes. <laughs> No disrespect oh. to Fernando, he's an MLS legend, but that you know the whole signing him thing was was absolutely pointless. It was almost borderline disrespectful to his legacy in MLS. You know, it just you know don't he he was set to set to sign with an indoor was I believe futsal league, and like hey man, you come play in MLS, but guys, I was just gonna go play futsal, like it's and not just get signed. He played a lot. Did he, he scored. Did he, did he, he actually scored play? a goal? He was on he the field. A goal. We'll always have that goal, man. Yeah, we'll always have that goal. That is correct. Um, Where were 20 years from now, we'll be sitting here talking. Goal in you know, Jeremy, if it's okay if I pivot here to a little transition off of what John was saying, um, you know, the conversation on depth, it's something I had with Adrian Heath this past Tuesday when I was at training. And – he mentioned to uh, me, uh, Jerry Zagoda and Andy Greeter, uh, that right now this is the most comfortable he's ever felt with the depth of this squad. Uh, looking at the striker core, the striker options, the winger options, the attacking options, you know, I believe there's eight people in rotation that could technically start. Who knows if they are, you know, good enough, quote unquote, or physically able or fit, but, but eight is a good number for four spots. Eight is a good number for four spots, and one of those spots, if he's healthy, is locked down by uh, Emmanuel Reynoso. Uh, one of those spots is virtually locked down by Robert Lutz. So, you know, I think 2022, despite the lack of height in the squad, which is a tangent I have gone off on a couple times, uh, there's a lot of uh, potential with the squad. And I think, especially in that striker core, uh, Abu Donladi is at a stellar preseason. Luis Amaria uh, is match fit, I can confirm. He is match fit and is in contention to start Saturday in Philadelphia. Uh, and uh, Adrian Onu, it's, it's comeback season. It's he, he wants it. This is his opportunity to shine in Major League Soccer and to make a statement. And then you've got Bongi, you know. And in the little bit of training I saw from him, man, is he fast. Like, he like he was keep – like, him – I would love to see a foot race between him and Nico Hansen. Nico Hansen is one of the fastest players in Major League Soccer. Um, Bongi would definitely keep up that man, the, how quick he was turning with the ball and his touch was phenomenal. And, you know, he, he's a raw talent still. He's got to get integrated into the team, learn the system, learn, learn everything. But, 
you know, if he starts out even as an MNUFC2 contributor, my eyes will be on him for sure. Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean it. Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Vlora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian national team all use Stimulus to outfit their club with the jerseys, game gear, and apparel they need. And Stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well. It's pretty simple. Just head to StimulusAthletic.com, start a conversation with their amazing team, and let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's StimulusAthletic.com. And that's another thing I think is a huge positive for 2022. And, and again, maybe this is sort of canceled out by the fact that, you know, most other clubs in the league now have this in place. But I think the just the presence of MNUFC2 and having a breeding ground and having a place for these guys to actually get run. You know, maybe if there's an MNUFC2 in 2020, 2021, you know, we don't get the Tomas Chacon situation. Maybe we, we you know, in two, if we have in 2019, 2020, we definitely don't get, uh, you know, a Caden Clark type situation. So, I mean, there, there's there's opportunity there for the guys who maybe right, right be beneath, uh, might be beneath that that line of, of getting consistent playing time for the, the main squad. They have now have a place where they can still get on the field, still prove themselves, still get solid minutes, and they don't have to lead the organization to do so. They don't have to be loaned or they don't have to, you know, have ties cut completely to go play somewhere. So um, I'm really interested to see how Minnesota United actually utilizes this new um, this this new team, this new entity that it has. Um, I think, you know, the arsenal of strikers that they built, I'm really excited to see how MNUFC2 is able to bring some of those youngsters along. Tanya Lewis comes in, comes to mind as somebody who I think, um, you know, yeah. a lot of guys think he's MLS ready. I think if he's able to, in the early part of the season, get consistent run and have success in UFC two. That's a guy you you could see in the eighteen or is it is it eighteen or twenty? I can never remember how many guys can they have on a match day roster now. Well, it depends. Are you talking like um, with the substitutes or with the reserves as well? Because the uh, reserves so. technically travel with, but they aren't on the substitute list. Okay, reserves. I thought it, it switched from eighteen to twenty in terms of of starters and and bench players. Now you've got me confused. I think it is 20. Yeah, 20 sounds right. But I do have some quick breaking news for you here, Jeremy. Uh, the shovel crew is back out onto the pitch. Uh, yeah, I- and just yeah. In, in terms of in terms of shovel talk, you would think, I mean, this is pretty much pure Colorado, but you would think they would all have the same shovel at least, but it's just yeah. like five guys with shovels yeah. they brought from home. It's just five <laughs> random shovels. Yeah, we've got-, got like a super shovel. It's doing nothing. Yeah, doing so absolutely we- nothing. We've got I, to my to my visual knowledge here. I see two orange shovels, one black shovel, and two gray shovels, Interesting. and uh, they are cleaning clearing out the eighteen ahead of this uh, penalty shootout. So uh, all about all about the Concacaf, uh, you know, <laughs> just messiness. It is it's beautiful, guys. I love watching this. Uh, you know, it's whether it's on the national stage or the club stage. Um, 
but back like, to Minnesota United. We're like you know. three minutes from a dude with a three-ring binder trying to clear part of the penalty area. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Maybe we'll bring him some hot dish and a, and a cup of hot chocolate. There you go. Let's go Rapids. Come on. Yeah. Get, get, back, give him one of your famous hot chocolate bombs. Jacob, oh, hey, make him one of those. Hey. I know your kids like those. Oh, dude, they were obsessed. They were awesome. obsessed. Yeah. All right. Part of the, ba- part of the baking shop, guys. There Rely you go. on my offer there. But All uh, right. so, back, pivoting off of your um, quick thing, what you were saying too, is another uh, another person to keep an eye on is Justin McMaster. It is comeback season for the 2021 first round draft pick by Minnesota United. Um, injuries hindered his first his rookie season, and I think that I think that there's potential here. Um, I was speaking to uh, an MNUFC spokesperson on Tuesday, and they mentioned that he is someone to definitely keep an eye on, and that uh, he's looked very good in preseason, uh, and he has been playing both the left wing and the right wing. But I would also assume that in any in a, in a given situation, he is someone you could look at as a center forward option if needed, or a secondary second forward. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see what he brings to the table because, like you said, we weren't able to see. Did we see any of him last season? Yes, I don't early, think we did. Did he early in yeah. early in the spring? He was when when Patrick okay. Weah yeah. was was coming on as a substitute because of the depth options. Uh, McMaster and Wea were like the two main attacking options off the bench. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, that was that was one of those when Heath was like, you know what, we're gonna play the kids. We're gonna we're gonna send a message and we're just gonna make a wholesale line change here. I think that was like the end of the Austin game, wasn't it? Was, when they just they needed know, it was, something up. It was those zero and four days. Yeah, for sure. So well, yeah, would love to see more of him. Um, there's a lot of guys we'd love to see more of, I think, uh, here in 2022, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, uh, let's go over some of these key departures that Minnesota United had. Just clip notes on these. Um, Ethan Finley, Ozzy Alonzo, Jan Gregush, the real key ones that are leaving. Uh, we've already mentioned Tomas Chacon, um, Adrian Zendejas as well, uh, parting ways. Uh, but of these departures, um, I think there might be an obvious answer here, but maybe not. Uh, who do you think the Loons will miss the most in 2022, guys? Ozzy, 100%. Ozzy. Okay. I, I mean, I was, I was going to say say it all together now, but. All right. Uh, I need someone. I need one of you guys to come up with a hot take otherwise, because I have nothing. Obviously, I think you could nothing. make a case. It has to be Ozzy. You could make a case for Jan Gregush, but he was kind of like, pushed out of the starting 11 and even off the bench. Um, but behind the likes of Reynoso, we now have no true set piece taker. So um, if, mm-hmm. if Reynoso is out, um, that'll be interesting to see who takes the set pieces because that was Gregus's role alongside Reynoso um, because, well, in the nicest way possible, um, I do not want to see Emmanuel Reynoso take a corner kick ever again. Free kicks, they're all yours, bud. Stop taking corners, please. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, Will Trapp has the captain's armband in 2022, just uh, to clarify the situation here. Uh, I don't know if that is a known thing, but Will Trapp has taken over the captain's armband from Ozzy Alonso. Um, so there's a bit of news too, um, you know, and there's an open midfield spot next to him because of Ozzy's vacancy. A few people are going to be fighting for that. It'll be interesting. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into the larger conversation on, you know, Hassani Dotson and how he he's going to fit into this team and kind of, you know, what Minnesota United is going to need from him in 2022, if they're going to take that next step. But as far as the arrivals go, transfer and trade, uh, Bakakuli Hlongwane, Kervin Ariaga, Luis Maria, Abu Danladi, O'Neill Fisher, among others. Um, which of these arrivals do you think 
will make the biggest impact, guys. I think Amaria is maybe the obvious answer here, but um, do you guys agree with that, or do you see somebody else as sort of uh, you know making that biggest uh, that biggest splash for the Loons of twenty twenty two? Carvin Ariaga. That's my hot take. Um, this team has no height in it beyond Michael Boxel and Bakaida Bassi, uh, unless I mean that you know I'm saying this because that's before Luis Amaria was signed. I believe Luis is either five eleven or six foot, one of the two. But regardless, there's a severe lack of height in the team. Um, <laughs> if you get an aerial duel, you're kind of screwed. Um, if there's a ball coming towards you and you're going up for a header, it's like Angelo Conte trying to jump into the air. Uh, it's just not happening. Love to see try, love the effort, but it's not happening. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, have I you think- seen any? Have you seen any sign at training that they're planning on having Bongi sit on Frangapane's shoulders? I, and try to get some height that way. You know, uh, I heard rumors um, that a very similar situation. It involves a, a game I played when I was a child called Leap, Leapfrog. And instead of leaping over the person, you leap onto their back and then they shoot up and you just fly into the air. Well, there you go. That's a, I think that's a great strategy. Probably, probably hey, not legal, but you know, if you're, if you're try, trying to right? sco- if you're trying to score off a, co- a corner kick, I mean. That's outside the box thinking right there. You know, every other team is trying to find some height to win headers. We're throwing guys into the air. Minnesota's just throwing (laughs) guys up in the air and trying to bounce the ball up. (laughs) Love it. I love it. Outside the box thinking, inside the box. Right, exactly. There we go. But I do think Kervin Ariaga is a great dark horse candidate there. Uh, I have a feeling Luis Amaria is going to be the number one striker um, once he – you know, maybe gets into the system a little more. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts in Philadelphia, though. Keep your eyes peeled, Moons fans. Uh, he is match fit. He looks to be very, very clinical in training. Uh, That's one thing the Loons need, man. I mean, they, uh, I mean, they were, what, top two in the league in shots and dead last in shots on goal last season? Um, he, and I believe they're, they're, they were one, one of, if not the – uh, worst in the league in terms of goals compared to XG uh, last season as well. So yeah. Uh, yeah, not not great on the clinical finishing last year for Minnesota United. So obviously that's one of the main things that need to tighten up. Uh, Dominic, though, uh, I know I know who your pick to click in 2022 is. So I'm going to give you the floor here. <laughs> I'm assuming this is set up for me to talk about Abu Dhabi. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh in, in reality I, I i would probably especially because of the way you know he right away jumped into the the preseason match and had an impact uh amaria you know probably is uh is my real pick but uh but for the sake of content yeah i'm i still think abu dunladi is still going to be a really interesting arrival returnee uh uh this season and i'm i'm optimistic about the impact that he could have uh, in an admittedly very crowded uh, striker's locker room. But, uh, you know, everything I've seen leads me to believe that he's very motivated and uh, seems pretty uh, healthy at the moment. And uh, I-, I think that healthy Abu Dhabi is a very useful tool to have for a soccer team. So I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the impact he can have for sure. Plus he brings size up front, something the other three striker options don't really bring. You know, it's it's the I'm trying to think of the proper terminology, but it's it's the big man up top, you know, a physical presence, you know, and um, I'll pivot off to this in a bit. But if the loons do end up playing with a two striker formation, man, having a target man next to a poacher, it's not a bad option. 
John, is Amaria the one you're looking at, or you got your eye on somebody else? Well, I was thinking about O'Neill Fisher just in the in the sense of highlighting that that depth thing that we were talking about and highlighting the depth that they're building because you you look at the both fullbacks for Minnesota United. You've got Metonier who is getting older and it's an injury risk. And Chase Gasper at some point next year is going to get suspended for something. It's going to be yellow card accumulation or something else. It's just going to happen. And a guy with 75-plus MLS games under his belt is now the backup at both those positions, whereas last year you were looking at Hassani Dotson playing either one of those positions. And I think that highlights what Minnesota's been building this offseason is some of those choices and some of those depth that they didn't have last year. Last year was sort of a desperate scramble all over the field, and this year they've got options. So he might not be the pick to click, but I think it's just a good way of highlighting what they've been building over the offseason. And that's a good shout on Gasper, too, because, I mean, I think we just learned today that uh, um, Gasper may not be fit for Saturday. And they may have to go, go, go the depth route for uh, for the game against Philly. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And we'll kind of get further into that discussion in just a little bit. Um, but um, in terms of uh, one one resigning that we forgot to mention, actually, was the resigning of Brent Coleman, which and talking about backline depth is huge for this team. If Chase Gasper is the is indeed going to be out for Saturday or, or, or any match for that matter, you would have to think it's probably Coleman who slots, slots in, in that left center back spot, moving DeBassi to to left back, which is not a bad second optional on the back line. I think Coleman proved last year he's more than capable of filling in in those spot start situations. Now, if you do get in a situation where this is going to be more than a couple matches, an extended period of time where you're going to have to rely on depth, I think fullback specifically is one of their most uh, their their least deep uh, uh, positions on this team. Uh, but at the same time, they will uh, you know they I think they have a little bit more than they did last year. Um, speaking of the preseason i know that we've uh we've touched on this a little bit nil nil draw with chicago to start things off 5-4 win over orlando city um it was emmanuel eway the 19 year old uh who played for joy of the people joy athletic last season in the npsl scoring the winner there one nil loss to portland nil nil draw with rsl and then a 2-2 draw with norwegian club viking fk the vikings of course blowing a lead like the vikings always do uh but in any case how dare you (laughs) <laughs> biggest biggest takeaways from the preseason guys i mean are we taking anything away significant from the preseason or is all the talk about the lack of goals and, and other concerns is that all conjecture at this point or do you have any big takeaways positive or, or negative as we head in to the uh to the first game of the regular season on saturday big takeaways gosh um i think I think Philadelphia might be the most difficult team to play on opening day. I agree. I think if there's one team, well, it's not even because of the personnel. It's literally just the fact that Jim Curtin is by far the most technically gifted coach in Major League Soccer when it comes to learning an opposition's tactics. He, we won't even have players on the field, and he'll know who's going where and who's playing what. And like, like everything, I just, you are going into a mind trap. You're not mm-hmm. going to play soccer. You're going to play mind games. I think, I think that that just makes it so difficult. Plus it's the opening day game, opening game, opening, opening season. MLS is back. MLS is back tournament.com. Uh, but, you know, I just, 
that it's going to be mind games, you know, and I think it comes down to whether or not the veterans step up to lead and someone takes a, a stand in that midfield. Um, you know, Will Trapp might be the captain, but who's going to be next to him? Is it Hassani Dotson? Is it Kervin Ariaga? Is it Joseph Rosales, who might I add, had a brilliant preseason, was stupendous. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Joseph, to be honest. There's my hot take, Jeremy. Joseph Rosales starts over Hassani Dotson. I guess, I guess bringing a more specific question into this, I think one of the things a lot of people are trying to take away from the preseason is, you know, the, is the fact that Abu Dunladi kind of got the nod as a starting striker in a majority of these matches, is this an indicator that he has sort of jumped Adrian Unu in the depth charts? Now, if Luis Amaria is fit, you have to think that he's the presumed starter, but is it Dunladi after that or is it Hunu? What do you guys think, John? Sorry, I'm distracted right now because Colorado and Comunicaciones are having the most amazing penalty shootout I've ever seen. He is not kidding. We have seen William Yarbrough make three saves in a row here. It is The last two of which have gone off of him, off the crossbar, and out. It is insane. <laughs> I've never seen. Team Shuffle. Are... Team Shuffle for the win. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it is genuinely. One of, like uh, I, I told Jeremy before we started recording here, and it's a bit, you know, it's become a bit at this point with how much soccer I watch. There's always soccer on while we're recording podcasts and I get a little sidetracked. And now Colorado just missed their third PK in a row. Um, here comes Yarbrough to make his fourth save in a row. Why not? You know, because mm-hmm. CONCACAF. But, you know, focusing on Minnesota United ahead of Philadelphia this Saturday, you know, I said my hot takes for Salas going to be starting. I think, you know, I think that there's so much potential for a fun game here, but I also think there's potential for havoc and absolute just – complete demolition of everything we believe that's going to happen. You know, there's a chance that Chase Gasper rolls out there and gets his first red card of the season. There's a chance that Franco Fragapane's temper comes out in the first game of the season. But we could also see Abu Dhanladi, as you mentioned, start up top, and you could see him become the Abu Dhanladi we always thought he was going to be. You know, and this could be a two-striker formation. This could be a single-striker formation. We don't know. Adrian Heath has been experimenting in the offseason. Uh, on this past Tuesday, he told me that behind closed doors, the team has been working in a 3-5-2 formation. Uh, and I followed that up with a question to him saying, hey, you know, do you believe you have the personnel to run a 3-5-2? And he said he did. He, he, do, he does believe that. And, you know, my mind immediately goes to Chase Gasper as a left center back, uh, Bakata Bassi as a center back, Michael Boxwell as a right center back. And, you know, otherwise maybe Gasper is the wing back and Brent Coleman is the left is the the main center back with Debassi left center back, uh, box the right center back. I'd love to see a back three from Minnesota. I think I think that's one of the most creative formations in soccer at the moment because it allows for uh, creativity and expression up the pitch. With how much Romain Metenier moves up and down the field, it would be it'd be a brilliant position for him. But I do know that they also ran a 4-4-2 in the second half against Real Salt Lake and that against Viking FK, they did transition to a 4-3-3 at one point. And in that 4-3-3, the um, personnel was Bongi, left wing, uh, Luis Amaria at center forward striker, and then we saw Adrian Unu at the, on the right wing. And that, you know, it might look like a 4-3-3 with wingers, but I would imagine that when you're playing, it's probably um, like a 4-2-3-1, but, in, but with like uh, two strikers instead of one, and then one of those players playing a more central role. So 
I think there's a lot of a lot to look forward to. This first game is going to be very telling of what the season looks like uh, for Minnesota United. John, when Dom and I have, were kind of talking preseason about the way this whole striker situation is going to shake out, we sort of, I guess we're operating under the assumption that, yes, even if Don Lottie has a great preseason, it probably will be the two DPs that are your one and two, whichever order you want to put that in. Do you see that the same way, or do you see the fact that Don Lottie is getting a lot of that run, a lot of that starting on the pitch, maybe being an indicator that he has kind of overtaken that second spot or maybe even a, a first spot until Luis Amari is fit? Yeah, I, I really haven't known what to think because on the one hand, Unu was a little later getting into preseason than Dunlady was, and Dunlady was having a good preseason. And so at the start, it was a little bit like, well, Dunlady's been around for two weeks and Unu's been around for two days. So maybe yeah. we shouldn't expect anything. And maybe they're maybe the staff is trying to send Unu a message a little bit like this is not you're not the automatic selection anymore this is going to be something that you're going to have to work through. I think that's fairly obvious now, given the number of options they have. I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see the times that they break out of the 4-2-3-1 that we've seen mostly over the past few years, because there's going to be times they break out of that. And I think specifically with Unu, I, he, he was a guy that when he, when he came here, he was not necessarily playing as that number nine, that target man kind of thing, more playing in a, with two strikers up front. And there was, we were talking about Fernando audio a little bit, but there was sort of, <laughs> there was a time last year. I was like, well, maybe this can work. Fernando Adi can just stand completely still on the penalty spot and Unu will just run around him and it, it could work. <laughs> it could work. But with some some guys that are maybe, let's just say that are maybe closer to the prime of their careers and who knew playing that role, maybe that could work. I'm I'm interested to see the ways that they take these guys and try to fit them in to something maybe other than the 4-2-3-1. Because the, I, I think there's a lot of options they have that maybe they didn't have before. But I also think, okay. you know, adding on to what John is saying is, you know, we only have, I mean, look at the roster. Do we have a true six? Will Trap is it's kind of an eight. You have, you have two eights, basically, right? Yeah. One, one of them's going to play the six, but. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've got two eights, man. Why not transition to a 3-5-2 uh, or a 4-3-3? It makes sense with the personnel. You know, it's kind of the situation, you know. Here comes the every time Jacob's on the podcast, he brings up Chelsea FC bit, Jeremy. Um, it's kind of like my what's favorite going bit. On. My favorite bit. We should come up with an intro for this bit. Let's pause three seconds just in case I actually am able to put an intro in between now and when the podcast starts, and then I'll let you go. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility part coffee shop you heard me right you can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place how cool is that i have to say i was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at ninth street my goodness it's some great stuff Derek is one hell of a barista i'll just say that affordable weekly pickup is always available at ninth street you can reserve the field for your team party or group outing and they always have something cool going on at ninth street including minnesota united watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season so make sure you check them out on ig and twitter at ninth Ninth Street MPLS, that's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T, 
MPLS on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles, N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at NinthStreetMPLS.com. Okay, go for it, Jacob. So here's that. Uh, the, every time we have this podcast, Jeremy, Chelsea bit, um, you know, I always talk about him. But right now, we signed Romelu Lukaku for like $100 million, and we don't know how to use it because we run a 3-5-2. Um, when he was with Inter, he played off of Lautaro Martinez and flourished. He came to Chelsea and is a single striker, and he's not doing good. He, he, he is abysmal on the pitch. He doesn't look happy. He doesn't want to be here. Um, his attitude is very poor. But look back to when Adrian Unu played in Liga 1. Like John said, that was a two-striker formation. He played off of another striker, and he flourished. That's where he was at his best. And although I have no desire to see Fernando Adi as the target man next to him, I think uh, I think we've got the personnel available to maybe make that happen. You know, MN we... UFC goal scorer Fernando Adi. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, come Thank on, you. Jacob. Put some respect on his come name. On. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, you know, we should look this up, but uh, I, for some reason, I feel like Fernando Bob scored a goal for Minnesota United <laughs> too. So if his name ever comes up, we need to say Fernando Bob goal scorer too. But, we, need to, we need to talk about Fernando Bob whenever we can. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, I think if we looked at the possibility of a um, partnership between Luis Maria and Adrian Unu, it, I think it could work really well. I, I really do. And that would probably be the sacrifice that would mean sacrificing Frank or Fragapane to the bench with Emmanuel Reynoso beneath him at the 10, Hassani Dodson or Joseph Rosales at an eight next to Robin Lude as an eight with Will Trap beneath him. So picture it's like a diamond. You're playing a four, one, two, one, two. Four, one, two, one, two. And in that formation, um, Robin Lude would be an eight, what he plays for the Finnish national team. And when I spoke with Adrian Heath this past Tuesday, he said that's an experiment they, they're going to be looking at this season because he is familiar with the position. And although Lude is a great goal scorer, having an attacking-minded eight and a defensive-minded eight is not a bad pairing. So, I mean, hear me well, out. One, two, one, two. I just back looked it up, three, Jacob. We already, talked, we already talked about the back three. We'll trap in front of them as the number six, six forwards. Don't say <laughs> no right away. Don't say no right away. Sorry, Jeremy. What did you look up? Think about it. I looked up. Look it up. Fernando Bob did not have a goal for Minnesota United. Uh, he did have an assist, no. though. He had one That's assist. what it was then. There you go. Yeah, legend. Legend. He had a 91% passing percentage. So that's. that's, that's <laughs> no, he did not. That's what we he call did. Fernando 90. Bob. 90.8. Passing percentage. I rounded up. It was 90.8. I wanted to get yeah, that extra point. Hey, I don't, don't think those passes amounted to anything, but he, you know. No lying on the podcast, Jeremy. <laughs> I, think one of, I think one of them went forward. Potentially. <laughs> that oh, might be the roundup. Yeah. That might be Jeremy's roundup one, though. Yeah, that, that might be a yeah, exactly. mathematically accurate pass that didn't really happen. But we'll, you know, who knows? <laughs> Within the margin of error, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's run through all these freaking strikers that Minnesota United has. Adrian Unu, Luis Samaria, Abu Danladi, Bangakuli Khlangwane, um, t- t- uh, Tommy Williamson. Sorry, he likes to go by Tommy. Tommy Williamson, and Tani Oluwashei, 
And I'm going to throw him in here because he's played enough at the number nine position for Minnesota United. I think to be warranted or to at least be thrown in to this arsenal of strikers, Robin Lud. Um, who we already said of, Justin McMaster. True, yep. Justin McMaster, central center oh, forward. Love it. You forgot one more. Yeah, Ezreal Jackson. Hey, you know what? We say we need height, Jacob. Why right. not? Why not put him in the box? Where are you going to get height? Yeah, <laughs> that is ma- he is ridiculously tall for his age. <laughs> you can't get yeah, any but, more height than Fred Emmings. Uh, um, no, but with Patrick Way out for the entirety of 2022 uh, due to injury, um, and I've been informed that AZ is likely to be a contributor to the MNUFC team to begin 2022. Um, you know, it's it's likely that we see who, who Jeremy stated there as the main contingent to compete up top. So I guess kind of piggybacking off our last conversation, two-part question here. One, who should start, in your opinion? Two, who do you think will get the nod from Adrian Heath? Dominic, I'm gonna I'm going to uh start with you here. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with uh yeah, I'm gonna go with we're going with two up top. Or that is that what we're operating under? Let's, or six up top. Don't say it. no right away. Or six, or up, six up, up top. It's a, it's a 50s World Cup final. That's the entire MLS season this year. So everyone's saying uh, You know what? Pick, pick your formation. Okay, Choose okay. your own adventure, Dom. Pick your formation and tell me who you think should start. I'm going to uh I'm going to uh trust the uh the skills of, of Jacob. You should check out the website he writes for, by the way. Um and uh and I'm gonna go with two up top. Uh and uh I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I would like to see what it looks like with with Amaria and Unu starting next to each other. I do want to put as a small asterisk because I know there's been very heated debate about this whole Unu versus Dunlady thing online, heated to a point that I did not realize when we last talked about it on the podcast, and then I actually looked at what people were saying, and it was a little more intense than I thought. Um, I I. I I think Unu should start. I don't think the fact that he's the DP should be why people argue he should start. I think that that being why you think a person should start is not a real reason for an athlete to start over another athlete in a competitive sport. I think think if your reason for a, a person playing over someone else in a competitive professional sport is because of their contract, you're bad at arguing about sports. That that's my, that's my stance on that. But I still think that we should see what that looks like, those two. And if we don't see what it looks like, that's a failed opportunity to see two you know, high-level players who have been invested in, admittedly, play together. Uh, I, I think that Lottie should be part of the equation. I think all those other guys should probably be part of the equation. But I, I definitely would like to see uh, Unu and, and Amaria have a chance to play as a front two together. Dom, you know the influence that this podcast has on Minnesota United Twitter. I think your 10-minute take on a Dunlady <laughs> like a month ago is really what stoked this whole fire and is what is uh you know what is continuing this this conversation online. But uh I rest my case that. there. John, how do you think it looks? Who do you think should uh should be up front for Minnesota? Well, if I I I think they're going to start with one up front. That's just my guess. I have nothing to base yeah. that on. And I, I agree. my pick for that would be Luis Amaria. But the, the one thing I want to say about Unu is that I'm willing to cut him some slack for last year. He's a guy that coming over here, new country, new language, never been here before, mid-season, no preseason, 
at the end of a long season, I'm willing to, I'm willing to let him hit the reset button and give him a, a clean slate for this year. I'm not, I, I'm not ready to throw him out like some of the people that you you see online seem to be ready to do. And I also got to say that those those gang fights that Dom ignited with all of his takes before, <laughs> I, I just I really thought he should have done more to stop those. But you know what? I can't I, I can't control what Dom does. I'm not taking credit for old old fights, by the way. Jeremy's taking yeah. credit for me, but <laughs> but yes, I I appreciate that things got out of hand. You know, there's only been Jacob. one time, in my recollection, that something got truly out of hand when it come to MNUFC strikers. And you know, a little shout out to our <laughs> other uh, our other contributor to the site, Mr. Eli Hoff. Good friend of the show. Uh, good friend of the show. Um, he uh, he posted a little something about uh, Christian Ramirez back in the day about him being a sitting duck on the pitch, and then the next game when Christian scores. To celebrate, he sits down on the pitch and flaps his wings like a duck. Just brilliant banter. <laughs> Unreal yeah. moments of, of true, you know, the word I want to use is CONCACAFism because that feels like <laughs> any like the, the, the type of thing that would happen in a CONCACAF setting. Uh, it didn't happen oh, in a CONCACAF man. setting, but it feels like it did. So that's we're gonna we're gonna trademark that. Uh, part of the soda soccer network is the word CONCACAFism. Uh, maybe I'll make it a bit for the show every week. I'll find out. I'll find a different Concacafism uh, during MLS every week. <laughs> that, that will not be a hard bit to research in Concacaf. No, it will not. There's an <laughs> endless. There's an endless reservoir of Concacafism. Yeah. Just flowing. Uh, Don, Let, go ahead. Let's let's not forget the final note in that story that sent shockwaves through our Slack at the time at the Pluribus Lunum, which is that uh, <laughs> that Ramirez then also referenced being called. A sitting duck yeah in, in the, the post-match interview that yeah. that that made the meta full circle and uh really Brilliant. really left a, a beautiful mark on on that era of uh of minnesota united coverage but yeah just, shout out to eli just just the best takes in in the entire upper midwest hey i know. think we can only hope i think that's how we'll know we've made it at soda soccer if, if a minnesota united goal scorer then in their celebration references something that one of us wrote or said about them, then I think we've officially made it at Soda Soccer. Would you agree? Potentially. Yeah, next if, time it uh, lines up for a corner and starts throwing people into the air, you'll know who started that. <laughs> that was us. That was us. <laughs> Nobody else gets credit for that. That was us that thought of that. Next time I'm out at training, I'll uh... – <laughs> I've got, I've got, I, uh, I tend to, I tend to have a decent relationship, uh, with Chase Gasper when it comes to just a little bit of banter, saying hi here and there. Uh, maybe I'll talk to him one time this season, see if he can, uh, if he can remember to do it, do something we come up with. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it to him. Chase <laughs> is a good guy, you know. And, and uh, if anybody yeah. scores a weird goal, it'll be him. That's. <laughs> Jacob, you are out of training, as as you mentioned. I mean, how how real is this potential two striker thing? Like oh, outside of like late in game when you need a goal or like a halftime change, like like do we see a three five two or a four four two as a starting formation more than two or three times this season? So let me ask a quick yes or no question, just from uh, each of you, Jeremy. I'm going to start with you. Um, is Adrian on the hot seat going into the season? I don't think so. Okay, Dom. Adrian Heath? Yes. Um, not as much as he has been in the past. Okay. And John? Yeah, I'm going to say a qualified no. Okay. 
so what what people are saying you know fans and such why why they don't agree with a lot of what he does is that he refuses to change things up and that he stays to what he knows and he doesn't branch out um are he substitutions uh tactics and formation and i think when speaking to him on tuesday he seemed to this offseason embrace embrace that versatility role i'd never thought i'd see the day where he mentioned a 352 in his system uh, and he said they've they practiced it like legitimately in scrimmages and such um you know, it makes sense with the personnel, knowing that they played a four-four-two against RSO in preseason, knowing they played a four-three-three at one point. I think he stays safe with a four-two-three-one on Saturday. I think it's what he knows. I think it's what they know. But I think as we slowly gather the personnel and get them more fit, say by late March, we could. Uh, you know, let's do it. I think. I think we host the Quakes in late March. It, I don't believe it's an away game. I, I believe we host them. And mm. regardless, if it's home or away, let's run a two-striker formation against Francisco Calvo. Let's do that. That'll be that'll be Just, a great way to debut it. That's where we bring in John's six-striker formation is against Francisco oh, yeah. Calvo and just really try to run up the score on him. I think that's, you know, that's perfect. Well, I'll give Jan Gregor's hugs afterward, but uh, we'll run the score up on Calvo. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think uh, – I think the, the two-striker formation is very real. I think it's something that fans could look forward to. And I think it's something to keep your eyes on because they have the personnel for it. Um, and if an individual falls out of form, it's definitely something worth trying, whether that's Robin Lute, whether that's um, Franco Fragapane, whether that's Sasani Dotson, and you move low to the midfield. You know, it's just – there's options here. And, there's, and, you know, I'll find out more tomorrow because we are recording Wednesday and I will be at training on Thursday. I'll find out more tomorrow. Uh, I plan on talking to Heath uh, about tactics and such. Um, and I will post uh, some updates on Twitter ahead of kickoff on Saturday, um, reviewing you know what I talked about with Heath, uh, just in case uh, you guys want to know anything. I'll talk about it there. But I think um, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, be optimistic. That's a great word to use here. Be optimistic. I think there's potential for a lot of creativity with this starting 11 and specifically this front four. All right, before we switch into the depth talk, I want to know who you guys think quickly, who you guys think is going to be the leading goal scorer for the Loons this season. Uh, John, you go first. I'm Maria. Dom? Uh, I'll do I'm Maria as well. Jake? I am also going to say Luis, Luis Maria, but I will also give a dark horse shout to um, Budan Lati. I genuinely I, thought you were going to say Kervin Ariaga there for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> just the look on your face, I was like, just out of left field. Um, mine actually isn't a striker. I, st- I he was the leading goal scorer last season. I, I you know, I know that they brought in new talent up front, and it will likely be a striker who leads the team in goals. But I don't know. Robin Lud just always seems to be in the right place at the right time. So I'm going to go with, with Robin Lud uh, for that in 2022. I'm a, I'm a bit disappointed nobody said Fred Emmings. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got to know what the odds are on that. I may go, I may go to Vegas and bet that. Um, all right. This, to me, I think is the biggest um, factor on the success Minnesota United is going to have. 
Um, because to me, it was the biggest reason, one of the biggest reasons why they weren't able to have the success that I think we thought they would have last season is that I don't think the depth was there nearly as much as we anticipated it would be. Um, Minnesota United needed to rely on depth a lot last season. Uh, we mentioned the lack of continuity in the front four, and it seems like the guys who were, were called upon to step up in those roles just kind of weren't able to do so, um, effectively and consistently. Um, we've already discussed the arsenal of strikers on the wings. You got guys like Nico Hansen and Justin McMaster who could play larger roles. Joseph Rosales, Jacory Hayes, Kirvin Ariaga in the midfield. Uh, Coleman, DJ Taylor, O'Neill Fisher, uh, Nabi Kimanguchi on the back line, but Kimanguchi can also play defensive midfield as well. You know, we, we thought this team was deep last year. I think I've, I even wrote a piece in 2020 about how the the depth and the the flexibility they brought in their roster could really benefit them, and that really didn't come to fruition at all in 2020 how are we feeling about the depth this year is this the year that we finally kind of have a full complete minnesota united roster in terms of not only starting 11 but who's behind them as well um yes simple answer is yes if you can't do it this year then there might be something else going on that's wrong you've got the personnel for it make it happen yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this is this is a great list of, of guys. Um, some some we already kind of know what to expect from. Some we don't either for, because of new arrivals or or guys like McMaster who obviously were were out a lot of uh, uh, last year. Uh, I, I think that this is probably about as as good as you can expect to have. Um, and uh, it's 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 there. There, I don't unless there's an insane injury wave. Uh, with, with these guys, I, I don't see uh, any reason why the team shouldn't be expected to to manage a successful side with this kind of backup. Yeah, John, I, what do you think? I think I think you can just see the the depth just from as we're talking through stuff like who's going to play in central midfield and who's going to play up front and what if they play seven strikers at the same time and how many goal how many number one goalkeepers can the team have you just yeah and shovels and shovels and shovels and nothing but shovels but I think you can just see through those discussions these are not necessarily discussions we would have had a year ago or two years ago and certainly not you know four years ago five years ago so. I think they're they're at a better place depth wise than they ever have been since they made the move to MLS. I mean, hundred percent. You, yeah. I don't know anything else to add. I'm just saying, like, you've got it. This this is the best squad you have compiled by far. It's one thing to have depth, but then there's also a utilization of that depth that I think is also kind of a, a, a talking point. Um, the the substitution protocol, if you want to call it that, has been has been questioned a little bit uh, from the gaffer and from Minnesota United as a whole. Um, now that the depth seems to be there, as we've just discussed, do you expect Adrian Heath to maybe uh, call upon that depth a little more and be a little bit more trusting in the guys he has uh, behind that starting eleven? I think. Without Ethan Finley here, you're going to have to choose a different attacking option off the bench every single time. Um, McMaster, I think there's a big opportunity for Nico Hansen this season. I think Nico brought some positivity and some pace and some versatility to the front line when he came on as a sub before dealing with some very harsh injury issues from like July onward. It was just it was very tough for him. 
um, ongoing lingering injuries. I think he's someone who could play a big role off the bench. Um, you know, and it just comes down to is, is Bongi a first team player? Is, are we starting two strikers? Is Abu Dunladi off the bench or starting? Is Luis Amaria or Adrian Unu, or is it both of them? You know, I there's these questions will be answered after match day one in my eyes. So I'm kind of like, it's it's so easy to just overthink this. You know, it's just it, the answer is simple: is just be patient. And you'll wait and find out. I want to move on and talk about the goalkeeper situation. Um, not necessarily talking about the same things that we see uh, addressed day in and day out on Twitter and on other podcasts in terms of who is going to be the starter. I think Adrian Heath is, has pretty much said that Tyler Miller is the guy and it's his job to lose. But you have a really young asset there on Dane St. Clair now now sitting on the bench for if, if all goes well with Tyler Miller, another season. Um, and we know, we, we've heard that the asset, Asking price for for Dane St. Clair in terms of selling him, potentially cashing in on an asset like him, um, is, a, is a price that maybe other teams aren't willing to to reach up to. My question for you guys is: Is, is Dane St. Clair the one that Minnesota United should be should be looking to move here? Because when I look at this, and you can tell me if I'm completely off base and not a left field on this, you know, this is the Tyler Miller's contract is up at the end of this year, I believe. And this might be the okay. American sports fan in me, but there's always that trade de- trade deadline talk in other sports. Like, well, he's not going to be here at the end of the season, so let's let's get let's let's move him while we can still get something for him. Do you guys feel that way about Tyler Miller, or are we, I guess, okay and satisfied with with keeping the two guys we got, considering it's a pretty pretty damn good arsenal of goalkeepers? I'll let John start here. Yeah, I my attitude goalkeeping wise is. Dane St. Clair is at the point of his career that they really need to play him or trade him. One of those two things has to happen. Either you're going to make him the goalkeeper of the future and it's time to, it's time to go there. And maybe the plan is to let Tyler Miller, let Tyler Miller play. And if he makes a mistake, then it's a, a quick move from one to the other. But I, I don't know that keeping St. Clair on the bench for another year is good for his development, good for the team, good for their salary budget situation, good for anything. So in from my perspective, I think it's you're coming close to a time where the best thing for everyone, for St. Clair, for the team as a whole, is to make a decision one way or the other on him. To me, it was really interesting considering the fact that they just extended Dane St. Clair in the offseason. And I know mm-hmm. traditionally in MLS, extensions don't necessarily mean much. We saw with with and not saying Dane St. Clair is on the same, anybody in MLS really is on the same uh, level as Ricardo Pepe, but we saw that happen with F- FC Dallas and Ricardo Pepe. They extended him for, I think, five years, uh, and then a few months later sold him on uh, to the Bundesliga. So it's not necessarily like like, I guess – other leagues and other American sports leagues specifically where, okay, you extend a guy, you fully expect him to be around for the duration of that contract, or at least a vast majority of it. But considering they did just sign that extension with Dane St. Clair, to me, it was pretty surprising to hear Adrian Heath say that Tyler was the guy. Dominic, did you feel the same way? A little bit. I mean, like you said, obviously uh, contracts are not always uh, what they, what they seem. They're not always, uh, as literal as contracts are meant to be, they're not always meant to be taken completely literally. Um, I, I think for me, my 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 concern with with Dan Sinclair not starting isn't you know 
And I don't think any of us are concerned about whether or not Tyler Miller is a good goalkeeper. I think it's pretty clear that he is very good goalkeeper. Uh, my, my concern is just, and I, I think I've even mentioned this before on, on the show, but is that this could end up just being another example of, you know, a really promising young player that the team didn't really utilize and, and get what they could have get out, get out of what they could have. Um, and, and to John's point, you know, there's a very strong possibility that this all ends with St. Clair leaving in the near future without ever have really having had a, a long run with the team and just question marks about what could have been. And uh, I feel like that's a thing that's happened with some really promising draft picks from this team already. I think it's still a concern that hovers around others that are still with the team, like Dotson. And uh, so in that sense, I, I would, I'm concerned about him leaving the team and what that could mean for potential loss. Uh, you know, at the same time, Tyler Miller is a very good goalkeeper. So I don't necessarily think him playing is the problem. I think it's more of just what it means for the other players that aren't getting minutes for us. And of course, that's part of the nature of the goalkeeper position. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, that extension, I remember when that extension happened, it did lead, I think, both of us at the time to being hopeful that we would see more of him this year. But now that doesn't seem to be the case. Jacob, think, it seemed um, like Minnesota United was stepping into a really good situation with what they could do with Tyler Miller. He came off a really great season last year. We mentioned he had some blunders at the end of the year, but for the most part was a top five statistically, top five goalkeeper in MLS last season. Um, you know, you have your youngster in Dane St. Clair, but to me, based off the season that Tyler Miller had, the value that he could bring, the market that was being set with some, you know, there were seven figure allocation, seven figures worth of allocation money being moved around for some for some in MLS trades and transfers this offseason. So it seemed like the market was setting itself pretty high. Not, not saying that Tyler Miller would command near that type of money, but it seemed like a perfect storm where Minnesota United could really cash in on an asset like Miller and have that allocation money and still be able to, okay, then bring up their young stud in Dane St. Clair to be the starting goalkeeper and be that goalkeeper of the future. And as John mentioned, further his development by making him the guy this season. Am I, am I missing something there? Or were you feeling that way as well? Just how do, how do you feel about the way this goalkeeper situation is shaking out? Um, I think people really overestimate the value that goalkeepers bring beyond Maxime Crepo. He is a singularity. He, uh, he is an unreal shot stopper. Uh, that is why he commanded so much money. Uh, during the offseason and his big money move to L.A. But um, I think if you offload Tyler Miller, you're lucky to get 400K in a combination of Gambit Tam. Um, and that's not much in terms of intra-league trades. I think, I think you're better off trading Dane St. Clair, signing Tyler Miller to a two-year deal, and at the end of that two-year deal, you hand the sticks to a young Fred Emmings who – is genuinely thought of as one of the top goalkeeping prospects in Major League Soccer beyond Minnesota. Like like other other programs, beliefs, uh, coaching beliefs, he, he is genuinely a top talent. And they also are very high on um, new acquisition Eric Dick. And uh, Eric is a great shot stopper. He is going to be fighting for that third string position alongside Fred. And I wouldn't be surprised to see um, either one of them getting that third role, but also starting for him in UFC too. Um, rumors I've heard are that uh, Dane would command a transfer fee of 
around the 700 to 800,000 uh, GAM-TAM combination. And that's a lot of money. And I don't know many teams that would pay that for a goalkeeper. Um, ESPN's Taylor Twelman the other day uh, posted that the New England Revolution should go after Dane St. Clair this summer window um, when Matt Turner, their current goalkeeper and the U.S. men's national team goalkeeper, departs for Arsenal in England. And I think... I think that's a great move for New England. I think it's a great move for Minnesota. But by doing so, you also have to know that you are offloading a tremendous talent in Dane St. Clair and undoubtedly MLS's penalty penalty kick saving king. So yeah, I mean, and that's another great point. I think something that is, is a little bit underrated when you talk about this, the this conversation is this could say a lot about what Adrian Heath, Mark Watson, and Minnesota United see in Fred Emmings as maybe. He's the goalkeeper of the future in their mind and not Dane St. Clair. Dane St. Clair commands more, more of a, more of a value. Obviously you let you, you maybe extend, like you said, maybe extend Miller for another couple of years. And then once Emmings is ready to take on that starting role, he's the one who does so, but it'll be interesting to see how that, how that goalkeeper situation does shake out. Cause again, if, if Tyler Miller, as we saw with Dane St. Clair last year, if Tyler Miller does falter at the beginning of the season, um, you still have a really good, capable guy there in St. Clair behind him to um, to step in. All right, a few quick questions before we wrap this up, guys. Um, what or who will play the biggest role in whether or not Minnesota United takes uh, another step forward in 2022? Maybe from the five spot, maybe to stepping into that sort of the elite of the Western Conference, if you will. If they're able to do that, what or who will play the biggest role in doing so, Dominic? Uh, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, and this this comes off of uh, something Jacob brought up uh, earlier when we were talking about uh, strikers and formation adjustments uh, with the the three five two. I I think one thing that could help the team take the take the step to that next level is just to uh, be more willing to try new things, be more willing to diversify approaches, uh, be more willing to access the bench, which of course, like we discussed, might might also be helped just by the fact that there's going to be so much quality on it. Uh, but just a little more flexibility in those difficult moments uh, that hasn't always been there. I think even just that will really help uh, this team uh, compete at that next level. John, um, we touched on it a couple times, and I'm I'm just going to say the central midfield as a whole. Will Hassani Dotson take that next step if he gets a run of games in the same position? Can Will Trap fill that role as a defensive mind midfielder and not just somebody who's going to be on both sides of the ball? Is Kervin Ariaga going to settle? Is Joseph Rosales ready to take his next step? I think there's a lot of possibilities there, but I think that's going to be the, the success or failure, the key thing between those two things. And that's a huge question for me too, John. Who who does and and I guess a secondary question that who does Adrian Heath, who does Minnesota United call upon to be that sort of forward facing box to box eight, and who do they sort of restrict and make that defensive six? Is it going to be Trap being the defensive minded six? Or are they going to pull back the reins on Dotson and let Trap do what he does? Um, that's going to be interesting. I kind of agree with you. I would fully expect Trap to be kind of uh, making that that switch in his mindset there, but that will be an interesting uh, thing to look for in that defensive midfield. Uh, Jacob, what do you think will be the play, the biggest factor for Minnesota United, if they're able to have that success in 2022? In my mind, there's only one answer here and it's Emmanuel Reynoso. And, you know, it might not be the most obvious answer, but 
if I'm being frank, 2021 wasn't really good enough from him. He is supposed to be it. He is supposed to be the player on this squad, and um, he needs to be doing more. He needs to have a, you know, I'm going to be honest, like a, like a 12-20 season, like 12-goal, 20-assist type season. He needs to be an MVP front runner. He needs to be at minimum 10-20. At minimum 10-20. Um, minimum, wow. And, yep, at minimum 10-20. And I think uh, if he doesn't reach that, then the squad's going to struggle because he is who changes your attack. He is single-handedly wins games. He single-handedly creates something out of nothing. And if he does, if he, he if he doesn't keep it up, if he doesn't, you know, turn out to be the, the piece like we all, you know, we've seen he is. He can be on his best day. He is undoubtedly a top two player in MLS, top three, but he doesn't show it every single time. And when he doesn't show it, the team hurts. You rely on a player like that to lead you. Rely on a player to like that to uh, create success for you. Manny Reynoso is the key to Minnesota United's success in 2022. Um, and it's, you know, goals come with that defensive uh, continuity. It comes with it, but nothing is going to happen. You're not going to win games unless Emmanuel Reynoso is at his best every single match day. And we saw opposing defenses. I mean, I think I think Reynoso is the one who was really hurt the most by the fact that Minnesota United wasn't able to put a consistent striker on the field in 2021 because – defenses were just really able to key in on him and say, you know what, Robin Lud, we'll let you have a goal, you know, but, you know, make someone else beat you with a Luis Amaria with a, of, of a fully fit and uh, on his best day, Adrian, who knew, you know, that could give Amanda Reynoso more, more breathing room, more wiggle room, more space to work with. If other guys in the attack are able to capture the attention of the defense, because we see what Emmanuel Reynoso is able to do when he is in, he's given that opportunity to do so. So that, to me, will be interesting to see how that front four is able to sort of work together and potentially how Reynoso can benefit from that. All right, guys, moving on. A couple more quick hitters before we uh, before we get out of here. Um, predictions. Now, a lot of predictions have to do with, okay, where will they end up in the table? But that's not exactly linear because if you want to talk about where Minnesota United is going to end up in the table, then you got to predict what everybody else is going to do in 2022, right? Um, so for me, it's about which tier do they fall into? Last year, they were a bubble team, right? They really, on the last minute of the last day, was really when they surely punched their ticket into the playoffs. So I got four tiers here. Western Conference Elite, surefire playoff team, like solidly in the playoffs, no doubt for a majority of the season. Bubble team again, or out of the picture completely. Which of these four tiers do you guys think Minnesota United falls in in 2022? Dominic, you first. Uh, you know, I'm optimistic about a lot of aspects of this team, but I, I, I'm i going to stick to uh, a similar prediction that I, I made a couple episodes back, which is that I, I think they're going to have a very similar overall uh season to to this last season in terms of that sort of table position uh so i i think it's, i think they'll be i think they'll be more secure into the playoffs than they were this year where it was literally like a final day sort of thing uh but i still think they're going to be kind of that bubble team it's going to take a while for them to lock that spot in jacob what do you think uh bubble team until they prove otherwise bubble team uh i think the playoff team i think they're going to host a playoff game 
I agree. I agree with that. I actually think the the third or fourth spots in the West, uh, you know, hosting that kind of hosting playoff game slot, where maybe you're not one of the top two, but you're still hosting. Um, I think that's kind of where Minnesota United should fall into if everything goes well. Um, but again, injuries happen, knocks happen, um, international duty happens. Um, it, to me, it's gonna it's gonna a lot is gonna be. Um, decided on if those depth pieces and those sort of second stringers can come in and play vital roles when called upon. Yeah, All right, guys. You know, Go ahead, Jacob. I'm add, you know, they're a bubble team until they prove me otherwise yeah. because I don't believe in the fact that uh, any of the goal scorers, any of the strikers right now, um, none of them have put up consistent MLS numbers. And uh, – that we still, you know, we, we really haven't touched on it, but it is an important subject right now. And uh, Emmanuel Reynoso's legal status. Like, mm-hmm. there was a big off-season situation involving him where he was arrested. There is still an ongoing investigation um, mm-hmm. with MLS and Minnesota United, and they are working with Arge- the Argentine, um, I'm trying to think of the proper word, the Argentine, you know, authority authorities and you know we, we will see a solution to the investigation in the coming weeks or months who knows when but there that's a big factor you know and that's a big player that's a massive player for your team and also um luisa maria uh is back to minnesota united we've got adrian unu trying to come back from a, a really underwhelming season um abu Ladi has returned and had a great preseason but he's never put up stellar numbers since his rookie season in addition to that, um, you've got a young South African striker who uh, just broke into his national team but is traveling to a new country, living in a new place, with a new team. Um, and he, he speaks very, very little English. Um, understands it, but speaks little English. So there's the communication aspect there. You know, so many factors that go into whether or not a team can be successful. It starts in the attack and then in the midfield. You've got uh, Joseph Rosales, Hassani Dotson, and Kervin Ariaga competing for a starting spot alongside uh, Will Trapp. Mm. And you've got so, – so let's look at – you've got an eight. You've got a traditional six in Ariaga, And then you've got a wild card in Rosales, who, you know, we, we still don't know a ton about. We really don't. Mm. And he's proven to be with a six and an eight. But then you look at the back line. You've got a veteran leadership. You've got a veteran goalkeeper. There's a, there's a lot that goes into this, and although the team, I think, you know, is probably going to make the playoffs, they are currently a bubble team for me until they prove me otherwise, until they prove their consistency, and until they prove they're not going to have another 0-4 start to 2022. It's John, funny. Any I, final feel, thoughts? I really feel like the vibe is either they're going to be a really good team that hosts a playoff game or they're going to be Houston Dynamo 2021. I feel like there's no middle ground. <laughs> it's either going to go pretty darn well or Jesus, John, really badly. No, nobody wants to compare you to the 2021 Dynamo. <laughs> That's harsh, man. That's yeah. harsh. That's cold. nobody. Yeah. That's 2019 Regret. FC Cincinnati. <laughs> now, whoa, whoa. Yeah, let's, let's not say down, things Jacob. we can't take back. <laughs> Believe me, and working and, work, and working with the guys and talking to the guys down at the striker Texas, the 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 whole the whole the whole state of Texas is is reeling right now. So you don't want to be like any of them at this point. Maybe having FC Dallas Academy, but um, anyways, Dom, any final thoughts from you? 
Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, I think there's been a lot of great points made today by by Jacob and John, and uh, I think this is going to be a really interesting season. And I also think it's going to be a really interesting year for Soda Soccer. And I encourage people to check out all the different things we're going to try and do, all the different things we're going to try and shovel as we go about uh, about this right. year of covering the many aspects of of soccer in Minnesota. So I appreciate all the listens, and I hope that they're uh, paired with lots of sites uh, visits. Dan Cranky, get your guys some decent shovels. Yes. yes. They deserve shovels. Yes. Minnesota There's United, if you're listening, you need an official shovel of Minnesota United. That's all we that's all we you know. They already the, come in like gray and black. Like it already matches the colors basically. Like that'd be perfect. Let's do it. I've got two two final thoughts, Jeremy. Um please no snow on the home opener. Um <laughs> Oh, Please. come on. It's tradition. It's happening. I don't have a parking. The club hasn't given me a parking pass. I've been a media member for four years, but I haven't gotten a parking pass. Man, I, I walk like three quarters of a mile to get to the stadium in my suit and tie. I, I do not want to walk in the snow. Please, no snow. And two, best wishes um, to the dearly departed Tomas Chacon. Um, as is normal when I feature on this podcast, he tends to tag along and visit. So, um, Tomas, uh, <laughs> thank you. I've got your cutout on a stick here um, that they handed out when you arrived in Minnesota. It will forever be a bit on this podcast. I didn't forget it, it Jimmy. Don't worry. I so love he it. says, we, we hit Goodbye, both bits. We hit the Chelsea bit and the Chacon on a stick bit. I love it. Hey, there we go. Um, in all seriousness, though, um, Saturday will be, will be, will, uh, I can't talk. Saturday will be very telling uh, as to where this team lies who the personnel is, and what the future holds. Jacob, you better be ready to talk on Saturday because uh, not only are we putting out a bunch of content on sodasucker.com today on Friday, but tomorrow for opening match day for Minnesota United, we're going to have a bunch of fun stuff coming your way. Not only a Minnesota United Philadelphia Union match preview on the website, but we're also going to have a Twitter spaces before the game. Myself, Jacob Schneider, and the former Minnesota United beat writer himself, Jeff Reuter, will be joining us on the uh, on the pregame show as well. Uh, John, Dominic, Eli, you're all invited to join as well. Anybody who wants to jump on the Twitter spaces with us, do that. 11 a.m., bright and early, because it is a 12 p.m. kickoff. We'll be there on Twitter spaces before the game for about 30 minutes before the uh, TV broadcast takes over. And then Post Loons is back for 2022. We'll be live after the Philly match. Myself and Eli Hoff. And then uh, John Marthaler is going to be our eyes and ears, boots on the ground, virtually boots on the ground there in Philadelphia, joining us after the post-game press conference. So a lot of fun stuff happening Saturday. Hit us up, sodasoccer.com. A lot of fun stuff happening all week long and all season long, all summer long, all fall long, all year long at sodasoccer.com. So hit us up, sodasoccer.com, on the socials, at sodasoc. And if you want to support us and check out some school, some school, some cool bonus content, Hit up that Patreon, patreon.com slash soda soccer. Dom, Jacob, John, again, can't thank you guys enough for being part of this. Appreciate you jumping on the pod and staying up late with us. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun summer. I'm excited. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Fellas. Gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs>